Okay, so today's message, wow. Um, I want to talk a little bit. Uh, I feel like my message, my sermon's been sabotaged by culture. And so Mandy's asking me this morning for a title. I don't really have a title. Well, it could be that. It could be, that could work. That could work. This could be part 25. That's true. But I really don't have a title. But I want to talk about, uh, I want to talk a little bit about America and what's happened in our nation, even this last week. And, um, and I suppose that as I talk, um, I suppose that as I talk, uh, I may talk in such a way to convince you of thinking something. But, you know, um, I, I suppose as I talk, I may say something that even you don't agree with. Not that that's ever happened before. So I invite you to keep reading the Word and keep dialoguing with me and with us together. And that together we keep growing in the Word because the standard to the Christian and to the believer and to the body of Christ is supposed to be the Word of God. Not Duane's opinion or Franklin Graham's opinion or name the person, right? Joel Osteen, whatever. Okay? Even if you have 30,000 in your church, the standard is the word of God. Yeah. So I feel like that's important that we keep... That we keep reading the word. It's you know the word of the word of God sheds so much light on opinions. Amen. And so we can all have opinions, but then we read the word, and the word of God is like wow. The word of God is a sharp, two-edged sword that divides asunder, and really helps us discern. This is Hebrews four twelve. It really helps us discern what is of God. And what isn't? Right? Sharp two-edged sword. So just thinking a little bit about our nation and, and what's happened with the... Some are saying that the court's decision uh, to mandate uh, homosexual gay marriage uh, in all 50 states across the nation is very much comparable to uh, what happened in 1973 with Roe versus Wade that this is a lightning rod kind of an impact or decision that, that, uh, that will affect you know, the whole nation and does affect the whole nation. Uh, and we don't know the implications down the road even for the church. So there's, you know, there's great questions. I talked to Tom Fields uh, on Friday on the phone and... Uh, he pastors the Garden Christian Assembly in the Tri-Cities where the bakery lady uh, is out of business because she didn't want to bake a cake for a family, for some folks. You, you know the story? Um, so, we, you know, we don't know the implications down the road. Some are saying that, you know, Canada did this 10 years ago and it hasn't changed a thing yet. I don't know. I reached out to John Burns actually this morning up in Surrey and just uh, a little note, and I'll, I'm sure I'll hear from him this week. 
you know, what is the implication so far? What's happened so far uh, in 10 years of this in Canada? You know, what's happened? How is it affecting the church? Does this stuff concern you at all? Okay. Is it okay that I talk about this? I think what's interesting, we have to, you know, I think we do have to dialogue about cultural issues. And I got, you know, a whopping 20 minutes to dialogue with you. But we do have to dialogue on some of this stuff a little bit uh, in the church because this is how, when the church refused to dialogue on some of this, this is how um, things like the working of, of Hitler uh, actually continued on in Germany is that the majority of the church wouldn't talk about it. They wouldn't dialogue on it. They wouldn't take a stand against it. So I think it is healthy that we dialogue on it a little bit. And I think there's massive confusion in the body of Christ. So I want to try to clarify the confusion somehow, if I possibly can, uh, in my dialogue. And then also give us a framework for how we think, how we live, how we approach things. Um, as far as I know, New Horizonites, we are loving people. As far as I know, we are extremely loving people. And regardless of, I mean, the way that, the way that I read the word, walk the word, see the word, is that regardless of someone's lifestyle, choices, decisions, history, or current, present uh, lifestyle, um, I, I've not been known to throw eggs, tomatoes, swear words, profanity, or to really to act in a way that would be unbecoming or unkind or un, unloving to them. Is that New Horizon as well? Is that? Yes? So, um, but I know one of the things that I think that's happening, I, I want to I th- I throw something out at you, is it, uh, and... I've got mountains of notes, so when I'm done preaching, I'll just read through and see if I've got something to say. Uh, I think part of what's happening is that uh, we've had about 10 years of preaching on love. I mean, 30 years. We've had about 30 years, uh, to my recollection, I'm getting old now, so I can recollect a little bit, but I think we've had about 30 years of unconditional love preaching. And I think the unconditional love preaching has been really good. I've needed it. You've needed it. We've all needed it. And it's actually been God's answer to psychology in a lot of ways. And it's been God helping us get rid of fear. And it's really been God showing us in the body that that he has good in... I, I remember the first time I heard Jeremiah 29, 11, it blew me out of my socks. Uh, I was so used to legalism and so used to a legalistic presentation of the Word and of God that when I heard Jeremiah 29, 11 for the first time, I, something inside of me exploded. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to do you good, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Yeah? If you're like me, maybe the first time you heard that, it something erupted within you because somehow through the overemphasis of legalism or legalistic preaching and, and somehow I had missed that. Somehow the enemy had duped and deceived my mind and somehow I had missed this good news God. 
Does anybody relate to that at all? Did that happen to any of you in the building at all? All right, so a couple of you. So, so we've had about 30 years of love preaching, unconditional love preaching. But the problem, the danger, it's, it's like the danger with anything really good. The danger with anything really good is there's a bad side to it. There's a ditch. Uh, you know, the bad side about your freedom is you're free. The bad side about you're sovereign over you is that you're sovereign over you. You know? Uh, so, I mean, this, this is a bit of a reality we have to deal with is it that, you know, I mean... The, the bad side about God creating sexual organs and creating sex and the bad side about uh, the fun of sex, the joy of sex, the, the, the thrill of sex, the ecstasy of sex, the opiates and the dopamine that is released in your brain when you have an orgasmic experience. The bad side about that is all that I just said. It's, the, it's in the good. The bad side is, is that you have to be responsible. The good side is, he gave all that to you. The, bad, the, you know, the, the, the other side is, you're responsible. You're responsible to put it in a framework where the joy continues, unobstructed with impurity. Really, the true joy only continues when it's unobstructed by impurity. As soon as you start obstructing it with impurity, then you begin to tamper with the joy. Hello. So, um, where was I? We've had 30 years of... We'll be very unlinear for a moment. Maybe for several moments, extremely unlinear. Have you found me to be fairly unlinear? A couple of honest people in the building, good. Okay, so we'll be fairly unlinear for a moment, and then we'll get linear and kind of, all right, you all right? Okay. So we've had 30 years of, of unconditional love preaching, okay? Then what's happened is now we have... What's come on the heels of unconditional love preaching is this massive uh, inundation and this fresh wave of what I'm going to call grace preaching. Okay? The, the, the strong emphasis on grace preaching is that, that we, have a, we, we have our approach to Father, our approach in our righteousness and, and, and even you know, the promise made to Abraham and all of this, it's not through the law. It's not through the law. It's not through the works of the law. That it is based on faith. And we've been preaching actually that kind of thing ourselves for the last few weeks. We've been preaching right out of Romans chapter 5, 17. But if you'll notice, I've said very crafty things. Trying to sculpt, lead, direct, and coach your brains. I've been saying... I. I weave in, I, I try to weave in the Bible because the Bible wants to help you, right? So I've been saying crazy things. Like, for instance, grace, grace is not liberty to sin. It's interesting. Grace, grace is, 
is unmerited favor, yeah, but it's unmerited favor with God so that you could have an approach with Him so that His Holy Spirit could live in you. If you didn't receive salvation by grace, that is, by the works of Jesus, He who is grace, imputed to you, if you didn't receive salvation that way, then the Holy Spirit couldn't dwell in you. And the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit of truth, and He's the Holy Spirit of righteousness and of holiness and of purity. Right? So, so 30 years of love preaching has led us into this new outburst of grace preaching. Grace preaching is saying all, all over the world right now in many of our churches, grace preaching is saying that you aren't righteous through the works of the law. So therefore, the works of the law are no longer relevant. They're no longer relevant. Okay? But, but Paul said some really weird things. If you're taking notes, anybody taking notes? Please take notes. Joe is. Some of you pull out your... If I see you typing on your phone, I'll know you're not tweeting about the spot on my pants. I'll know that you are taking notes. But I think, you know, I think, again, dialogue together in the Word is important, and I would appreciate it if we would be Bereans and really catching the, the, the essence of the Spirit and what the Spirit is saying. If we go over to Matthew 5.20, Jesus said, Jesus said, anybody that teaches that these laws are no longer valid or nullifies these laws, that they, they will be, this is not going to be good for them in terms of the kingdom perspective. Let's go over to Matthew 5 and let's read it because I'm trying to paraphrase and that's not going well for me. Woo! Let's pick it up at verse 17. You okay? You still here? Anybody mad at me yet? You can get mad at me. It's all right. One thing that I think is very interesting is that none of us want, uh, and I just I say this facetiously and in a very general way, that that the church we're afraid we are afraid of um, we're afraid of maybe being different. We're afraid of offending somebody. The word offends. I hate to say it. The word offends. The word offends your flesh. And so then you have to put a bunch of people put their flesh to death this morning. Why did they put their flesh together? Because the word offends their flesh, but they found out that if they followed the flesh, they would die. So either you die by following the flesh or you put the flesh to death and live. You decide. But the word is very offensive, right? Matthew 5:17, do not think I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. Now, he fulfilled the law on our behalf, not that we would be exempt of the law, but that the Holy Spirit could come into our hearts and give us a heart of flesh, a heart that loved. You know what a heart of flesh is supposed to be? Jeremiah talked about it. A heart of flesh is a heart that loves the law. A heart of flesh is not a heart, a heart of stone. If, we, if you look at Jeremiah and Ezekiel and these prophets, a heart of stone was a heart of rebellion that hated the law. I hate the law. If I want to commit adultery, I'm going to commit adultery. I'm going to do it all day. 
I hate these laws. If I want to covet, I'm going to covet, and I'm going to take, and I hate these blasted laws. That's the heart of stone. That was a heart that was resistant. And the law, Jesus summed up the law in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. The law is summed up in these things. Love God with all your heart, mind, Bad paraphrase again. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Write it down. Look it up. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, by the way, if I love my neighbor as myself, I wouldn't violate my neighbor. I wouldn't harm my neighbor. And the laws are the laws. The summary of and I'm talking about the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. The summary of those laws is to love God and to love yourself and to love your neighbor. Right? A heart of stone is, uh, don't tell me what to do. I don't need those stupid laws. That's a heart of stone. So Jeremiah says, I'm going to take that heart of stone out and I'm going to put in you a heart of flesh. What's a heart of flesh? A heart of flesh is cooperation for the laws. Oh my goodness. Committing adultery was killing me. So I'm going to put that desire to death. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to receive the heart of God. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm all done with that kind of lifestyle. Right? Coveting was killing me. Oh, my word. I was scratching my way through. I was hurting everybody. I was, I was just conscious all the time of what I didn't have and what others had, and I was filled with bitterness, and it was killing me, killing my attitude, my business, everything about me. You know what? I'm done with coveting. I'm going to trust that God has me covered. This is a heart of flesh, right? And so the Word says, Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish, but I came to fulfill. For truly I say to you that until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever annuls one of these commandments and so teaches others shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever teaches, keeps and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And then he says, for unless your righteousness exceeds the Pharisees, you can't be a part of the kingdom. Well, it's not hard for our righteousness to exceed the scribes and the Pharisees because he who is love, he who is truth dwells within us. So if we listen to him, our life will complement and agree with the laws. Paul in Romans 7 calls the law holy. He says, just because I'm sold under sin and sold to slavery to sin doesn't mean that the law is not holy. The law is holy. Galatians chapter 3 tells us that the law, or Galatians chapter 4 tells us, let's go over there and read it, that, our, that the law is our schoolmaster. The law is a schoolmaster. And, and the law really shows us how bad we need the Lord. So if we take away the law, if we throw out the law, if the law has no value or worth whatsoever, Galatians 3.23, before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law. 
being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. But now that, law has, now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. See, the law, the law convicts us that we fall short of the glory of God. It can't save us. But it bears witness of God's requirements. It bears witness of what it is to love Him, ourselves, and others. And so when we see our lives in comparison to the law and we recognize that we fall short of the glory of God, then we run to, not the law, we run to Jesus who can save us and who can deliver us and who does put a heart of flesh within us. Yes? Let me read some stuff. Is that all right? We'll stop preaching for a minute and just read some notes. Is that all right? You still good? Jesus died for heterosexual and homosexual sinners. Yeah? He was in God creating sexuality, its joys and its responsibilities. He has a clear path for joy and purity. And it's his will that one man should leave his father and mother and be joined to a woman. And that the two of them will cleave to one another and be one flesh. Mark 10, 6 through 9. It's in this union that sexuality finds its God-appointed meaning and fulfillment. And for those who have forsaken God's path of sexual fulfillment and walked in a path of homosexual expression or heterosexual sin, by the way, they're both not good, Jesus offers amazing mercy. Yes? 1 Corinthians 6, and starting at verse 9, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators nor idolaters. By the way, that's a giant category. Probably includes some things that we need to get out of our lives. Nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but you were washed. Now, the point is you were washed. The point is you were washed. The point is is that we keep identifying with the Word over certain things that are uncomely, that are not beneficial to the human race, that are not beneficial. They actually will kill us. And we keep identifying those things as sin, and we keep recognizing that we don't want to be slaves to those things. We want to be free from those things. And that if we'll put those things to death, if we'll agree that we're dead to those things in Christ, such were some of you and me, but we were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. 
Now, the problem is with what happened this last week with this ruling with the Supreme Court, um, it put us in a position of institutionalizing sin. It's kind of a dangerous thing because somebody's kids, your kids, if you haven't had kids yet, your kids will even be put in a position at some point in school where they will be taught that this is normal and good And Malachi says this is very dangerous. The end of Malachi, he says that it's really dangerous when a generation begins to call evil good. This is really dangerous. When a generation begins to call evil good, this is not good. Uh, And he actually says there in Malachi that, that, uh, that the son of righteousness will appear. And the son of righteousness is going to be looking for those who... Fear the Lord and who talk among themselves and to hold to his righteousness. Now, let's go back to them. Let's not preach. Let's go back to our notes. When we institutionalize sin, this is dangerous. When we say sin is okay or sin is good, it's just kind of dangerous. Because the Bible lumps those who approve of sin in the same category of those who sin. And it's not just homosexual sin or heterosexual sin. You notice swindlers? If somebody's swindling and you approve of it, that's not good. If folks are drunk and you approve of it, maybe you haven't lost a child to a drunk driver. If there's actually, and let's read it, Romans chapter 1. It says we have to be careful about what we give approval to. Romans chapter 1, 24 through 27. Just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do the things which are not proper. It's not because God wanted to. It's because they were shaking their fists in the face of God and saying they didn't want God in their lives. They wanted to keep their heart of stone. And you can take your heart of flesh and shove it somewhere. I don't want anything to do with it, God. And so God has to release them to the very thing that they desire. Soundness of mind is interrelated to honoring God. And when we start dishonoring God, we lose soundness of mind because soundness of mind is interrelated to His grace and His presence upon us as a people, as a culture, as individuals. And so when we turn away from Him, we begin to lose clear thinking. God gave them over to the depraved mind essentially that they wanted to do things that are not proper, being filled with unrighteousness, wickedness, greed... Greed is a, greed's not a great thing. Evil, envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, and although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but they also give hearty approval to those who practice them. It's Romans 1. We just read Romans 1, 24 through 27. Here's what I'm saying. It's so dangerous when we 
as individuals or as a nation or as a people. Now, this is dangerous for the nation because Romans chapter 13, if you're taking notes, we can't go through everything. Romans 13 says that the government is the ministry of God. The government is the minister of God. The government is to represent the laws of God. When the government stops representing the laws of God, then we release confusion into the populace. When we give hearty approval to any of these sins that were just listed, it's not wise for us. When we give hearty approval to any of those sins, any of those sins, then it's not God's will And we who are giving approval are now in the same error as those who were involved in those sins. This is is not good. It's not wise. This is not what God would have for us to do. I believe it will will result in wake-up calls across America. Um, we need to be praying. I want to get into just some action steps in just a moment. I know we're going to be a couple minutes late. If you have to leave, I release you. Uh, but I'm going to keep you about five more minutes if the band would come and prepare. I believe this is a time for mourning, a time for weeping, a time for sackcloth. It's not a time for rejoicing. It's not that we don't love people. Instructions and standards, instructions and and standards are maybe the highest form of love. I've raised four kids. If one of them wasn't, if one of my boys was to come and to say, you know, I want to take somebody to the prom, I wouldn't say, oh, well, well, um, you can take uh, Mary, Susie, uh, Brianna, or, or Johnny. You, you could take Johnny. If he wanted an inappropriate relationship with Johnny, I would love, love, love would rescue him from a fire. Somehow we've moved from Somehow we've moved from love into approval and when we move into approval what's there to be saved from? If nothing's a sin then what is there to be saved from? When we begin to move the sin boundary then there's nothing to be saved from. The law is offensive. The law will offend your flesh. The law will tell you, don't lie. Well, you hater, don't tell me I can't lie. I needed to lie. It was very convenient and appropriate for me. And if I wouldn't have lied, it would have really hurt them. And so I was loving them by lying. Really? Then fear the Lord then fear the Lord and don't lie. 
Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And in your short-sighted view, lying saved them some pain, but it was a violation of God's standard. You refused his, to let His standard touch your flesh. It will breed death into the relationships. At some point, you've got to patch this up, straighten this out, because this lie will eventually give birth to death. Sin gives birth to death. Every kind of sin. Every kind of sin is offensive. Every kind of sin will give birth to death. But the Word, the Word will help us see those things. Are you with me this morning? Listen to Ezekiel 9, verse 4. The Lord said to me, Go through the midst of the city, even the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations that are being committed in its midst. This is really not a new problem. The sin problem is not a new problem. The new problem is calling it good. The new problem is not only calling it good, but the new problem of calling it good is to silence the church and make you a hater. Now that government says this is good, if you are to say it's bad, you're a hater. You're a hater. If I'm a hater because I love the Word, believe the Word, and I've let the Word kill me, if I'm a hater... Can I handle that? Can I be a hater? Is that okay? Can I be identified as a hater? Am I going to run from true love? Am I going to run from true love because somebody calls me a hater? Or will I understand the love that I embrace is higher than the lie that's being perceived? And will I take it upon myself to win people everywhere I go? To love people everywhere I go? Because I'm a lover, not a hater. If you just got around me, you'd find out I'm a lover, not a hater. If you bring your sin around me, swindler, drunkard, adulterer, homosexual, bring it around me. You're going to find out I'm a lover, not a hater. I'm a lover, not a hater. I'm a lover, not a hater. But those who hold to the Word, those who won't post on their Facebook that... Be careful with your Facebook. Be careful with your Facebook. Be careful with your Facebook. Those who post that they think this was a bad ruling, you're a hater. Those who post this was a good ruling, you're a lover? You're a lover? You approve that I can go to hell? Do we praise the swindler? Do we praise the drunkard? Do we praise the gossip? Do we praise the slanderer? 
Do we praise the murderer, the insolent, the proud, the disobedient, the parents? Do we do we create new sanctified places for them to be praised? Hardly. Be careful what you post so that you can be seen as a lover. You're a lover. You're a lover. But you also have standards because you have yielded, submitted, and come into agreement with the Word of God. And the Word of God has not changed. And grace did not remove the law. Grace said, Jesus fulfilled the law for you that He might deposit the fullness of its intention within your heart. That He might enable you to fulfill it as well. And grace says, even when you blow it now and then, you're going to be covered. Even when you mess up now and then, you're going to be covered. Because the righteousness that you have came by grace and not by works. Not that you should omit works. But you would know that you are not condemned by the failure of one work when your heart is turned to Him. Anybody's heart's turned to Him? Stand with me this morning. I've kept you long. I apologize. I'll post a bunch of this on my blog. Uh, if you care, and if there's any value, then you can share. But again, what are you willing to be in America? Jesus said, I really didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. The cross is foolishness to those who are perishing with a stony heart and those who are shaking their fist. But it is the power of God unto salvation for us who recognize, you know what? I'm done being dead. I'm done being dead. I'm sick and tired of dying in my own sin. I want to die in the cross and live. I want to put the sinful nature to death and I want to live. I want to live a resurrected life. I want to live free from the bondage of adultery, of fornication, the bondage of pornography or masturbation, or the bondage of drunkenness or gossip or slander or fear or whatever. I want to live free of that stuff. So put me in that tank. Action steps. Number one, keep loving God and embracing the power of the fear of the Lord. I'll tell you, the fear of the Lord is a wonderful thing, and it's kept me out of a lot of crud. Yes, I've got a faith vision. Yes, I love how much He loves me. But I love the fear of the Lord, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of a right decision. Number two, love His law. Confess that the nature of Jesus dominates your life. Love the law. The law is holy and good. Number three, keep loving people while bearing witness to the freedom that you have. Just just keep talking about the freedom you have. Don't preach. Don't preach. Keep talking about how you've been set free. Haven't you been set free? Some of us were exactly this. Yes? You've heard my testimony. Some of us were exactly this.
So keep loving people while bearing witness to the freedom you have from the bondage of sin. Number four, pray for our nation. Find specific people to pray for. Those in the forefront of influence. Find around you those needing prayer. Don't just pray a bunch of general, broad, brush prayers. Lord, save the nation. Start praying for pastors. Start praying for leaders. Name them by name. It'd be better for you to take your prayer chart and to fill it for three weeks with names, with targeted, focused prayer, and then move on to something, somebody else for the next three weeks than it would be for you to pray these general, Lord, save the nation. Save the nation. I'm done. Pray focused prayers over our specific leaders, individuals, pastors, people, governors. Find those around you needing prayer. Fight for people in the Spirit. Rebuke the enemy off of individuals, off of government, off of our nation. And fifthly, call our judicial and national leaders to be confronted, convicted, and corrected in the spirit realm. Amen? We need an awakening in America and a revival in the church. A revival of the love of God's standards. His standards are good. His law is holy. The Word of the Lord is a lamp, a light. Amen? Reach over and take the hand of the person beside you. Let's close. My fourth apology for keeping you so late. Please know that you can love people without approving of their behavior. You do it every day with your own children. You can love people and still not approve of their behavior. And you don't have to castigate them. You don't have to use profanity or you don't have to harm or slimeball people. Use your testimony. Yes? Isn't your life better now that you're crucified in Christ? Lord, we just release wisdom over this body right now and over the body of Christ and over the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lift your voice with mine. We release wisdom. We release wisdom. We release wisdom. We release wisdom over the body of Christ. Wisdom. Wisdom. To walk circumspectly. To walk cautiously. To walk even with wisdom in all of our dealings with people that they would see our love, know our love, sense our love, feel our love, and that they would hear the testimony of those who are set free. That the testimony of those who are set free would be overwhelmingly rich and convincing. Lord, we thank You that we don't carry a spirit of condemnation, that those whose sin are already condemned, we carry a spirit of liberty, a spirit of freedom, a spirit of come out and experience life. Use us to snatch people out of the fire. To grab them who are on a path of perishing. Use us, use us. Give us the creative, insightful, miracle-working vision to see all that You would have for us to do.
We ask you to have mercy on America, the kind of mercy that that is interrelated to illumination and revelation and conviction, correction. Oh, Holy Spirit, don't stop talking to our leaders. Don't stop talking to our pastors. Don't stop talking to our governors and our mayors and our city councils. Don't stop talking to our legislators. Don't stop talking to our senators. We ask you to come in the night hour. We ask you to come with dreams and visions. We ask you to come with correction. We ask you to come with conviction. We ask you to come with salvation and with the revelation of Jesus. Come, come, come. Let Yeshua be present in this nation. Let Yeshua be present in this nation. Have mercy on us and do not turn away from us, but rather overwhelm us with the glory of your presence. Let the radiance of your presence become more radiant. We thank you for your presence. Thank you for saving us. Continue to deliver us out of everything that we've held on to in our own personal wildernesses. Continue to deliver us that you might bring us into our promise. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, God bless you, church.